you've been asked how to kill a man with two punches, how would you do it, Johnny? Do you want like the me trying to think of a funny answer question, like response, or do you want me to, like if I had to kill a man with two punches, what would I do? Yeah, because I was gonna say just punch him in the toe really hard, <laughs> and then he'll be like, "Oh, that really hurt. I'm gonna go and die." You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. You could punch him in the side of each knee really hard when he was in a very remote place. I think punching someone in the knee would hurt your hand more. Side of your knee. Side of your knee, still, it's quite hard. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much harder than I than I ex- expected. In that case, Tim, I'm guessing the, the man who asked this question. I'm afraid we have no idea. We, uh, we are, we're not the um, the the authorities on how well, to kill a man. Okay, we, so I, you, I've never done it myself. You, no, I, no, it I, took me five. Thank God, five punches. <laughs> so, good band called Five Finger Death Punch. Oh well, there mm, we go. They I, might know. They're actually I founded that band. Did you? And then I left so that someone else could. Could have all the, the glory and the fame. And stuff, yeah. You're not going to punch someone in a limb, are you? We can rule that out. Yeah. You're not going to punch someone twice in the forearm, for example, unless you were to create huge hemorrhaging that, that then eventually ended up in the heart somehow. Punch but them in the centre. Speaking of the which, centre. So we were, I was talking with Julian Donovan the other day, who <clears throat> is on the podcast, episode 66. The one about the guy who forgot his wedding. Yeah. We um, referenced that so many times. It's really funny. It's a great episode. Two episodes. Now, he said that he was chatting to this guy, and it was the guy who is in every British friend group in some form. Sort of mousy blonde hair, ponytail, glasses, Iron Maiden t-shirt, khaki shorts, socks and hiking shoes, has a penknife, and <laughs> is a bit weird, um, likes burning things. The, probably the guy who's tried spraying Lynx Africa on a lighter. To see yeah, what happens. Exactly. Mm. Or like done the, the burn thing on his arm with a deodorant. <laughs> so he was talking to that stock guy and he was like, oh yeah, mate, like, I do, it was like Jeet Kune Do or Kung Fu or something. And like, I've learned this like, special move from the master that I can, I can reach into your chest and pull out your heart. But like, I'm not going to show you yet because it's, <laughs> it's against the code. And like, I, if I've got, if I do it, I've got to draw blood and you know, like, and Julian was like, oh, go on, do it, do it to me. He was like, no, no, I can't. I'm not allowed to show you. It's against my code. I'm like, okay. Okay, mate. So we should maybe ask him. I think the answer has to be twice in the face as hard as you can. <laughs> Just middle of the face. Well, yeah. Fine. Or like maybe once in the chest, once in the face. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that I have the skills, steady hands or ability to kill someone with two punches. Yeah, I agree. So... Next question is, would you rather become a sentient strawberry with the mind that you have now, no physical ability for mobility or communication, or just become a regular strawberry with strawberry thoughts? So, I'm a regular strawberry. I think like a strawberry. I act like a strawberry. Yeah. Or I'm a sentient strawberry. You think like a person, but you still act like a strawberry. I suppose it's better off this is this is like asking would you rather be mentally unable or mentally unable to perceive what was going on or physically unable to act how you want okay it's like losing your motor control or your mental faculties see i think it's asking something a bit different <laughs> i think it's asking do you want instant death 
essentially wow. or do you want to be a disembodied bit of consciousness because a strawberry if it can't perceive anything can't unless they're asking like oh you might get eaten and it would really hurt but i think that, like a strawberry can't feel anything so well, well you know what we don't know well, so, we don't know so i i took from the question because why is it framing it as a strawberry in that case like if mm-hmm. the answer is death or you can't move yeah let's say for the sake of argument the strawberry can well <laughs> the strawberry is aware that it's a strawberry if that's your mindset then great that's always been your life anyway mm. whereas if you go from being as you are to being a strawberry then you're going to be able to experience as a human what it's like to be eaten as a strawberry might turn you into a carnivore like an anti-vegan well no because you're a strawberry you're dead yeah you're not going to come back to being a human it's not just having a go as a strawberry <laughs> you don't have a turn like that's it as a strawberry and then come back as a human and go wow that was shit being a strawberry <laughs> I'll go sp- spread the word and protect the strawberries. Either way, you're going to end up as a strawberry. Aren't you? <laughs> That's true. It's not good. So, so if you're going to be a strawberry, it's best, I think, to be a strawberry, like really go all in on the strawberry experience mm. and sort of half ass it, I think. Fine. Next one. I enjoyed Next question one. was, would you rather have £100,000 now or a mm. card that always has £25 on it? This is the sort of thing that you, you say, you jump to a conclusion and then get shown mathematically that you're a moron. Just like that one of, would you rather have 1p today, 2p tomorrow, 4p the next day, 8p the next day for a month, or with 10 million pounds now? And, and the, well, because it's, it's, it's 1p the compound that doubles every day for 30 days, yeah. right? Or 10 million quid, and everyone thinks, well, obviously the 10 million quid, but you end up far outweighing that with the double, mm-hmm. which is mental. <laughs> I think and it's 10 million. Law of compounding. It's some, it's, it's some, it's some number that's less than the amount that you get. If you double the number, double the penny. £25 all the time or £100,000. Yep. Well, the £25. Yeah, me too. Because you just... That's just contactless payments for life, isn't it? Yeah. By what we've just explained, like, you just use it twice as many times <laughs> every day for 30 days or however long it would take. Like, yeah. you, you could, if you just get, get to the point where you just like, bip, 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 I'm thinking hire a secretary for less than £25 an hour get them to buy an object for £24 repeatedly with your card online and then sell those objects for whatever you want. You don't need to spend in a single transaction more than £25 mm-hmm. to make a profit on items, do you? <laughs> if you get your stock for free, like there are stationery shops that have nothing over £25 and they do fine. Why can't you... So... It, the card, the card, the cash can't be withdrawn. Bro- yeah, probably not. Yes, yeah, so you have to. Right, so it has to just things. be contactless payment. Well, I'm just saying, buy things and exchange them for cash that are less than twenty five. Right, so that that's following the assumption that you can't access the cash. Mm-hmm. Right, then yes, because otherwise you could just take the cash out in twenty five pound increments. Yeah, and then just live live your life as normal. You'd be standing at a cash for a, a while. Yeah. yeah, it'd be hard to make big ticket purchases. <laughs> So your, what was your Well, method? this is like Chris, who paid for his student fees of £8,000 in cash. Turned up to the admin office and they were like, okay, son, do you want to pay by cheque or, or Chris maybe doesn't want us to tell that. Like, <laughs> we told him now, anyway. Everyone, oh, well. everyone knows. So you would hire someone for £24, that we said? Yeah. Or like or anything less than £25 an hour. Okay. And get them to buy items. Yeah. What with the pound? Just with the card. Just give them the card and say. Ah, uh, say do what you once. Want. You, I suppose once you paid them once, then yeah, it's not limited to an amount of times per hour. Exactly. 
So um, the card. The card's the answer. All right. Other questions we had were how to do a podcast oh, with Tom Morrison. <laughs> Tom will be in touch. And So that was how? As coaches, what's been the biggest teaching moment that's been born out of Should we do mistake? the last one first? Yeah. Because I think that's probably some, maybe a quicker. I've got some thoughts on that. So Hayden asks, if you were to train just to maximise your long-term health, how would you train? How would I train? So I think I would still, I would definitely still do resistance training. I would probably do a blend of CV work and resistance training, and I would probably avoid the high-end one rep max style work as much as possible. Because I think when there's a when there's a joint damaging impact, like when you know, when you're running into sort of I'm going to need a new hip kind mm -hmm. of territory, it's, it's not great for long term health. Yeah, it's it's repeated bouts of very high intensity, very high volume, bait powerlifting basically. I think that's a good point. Like powerlifters are not the picture of health. No. But they do some healthy activities. <laughs> so let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. Would you do CrossFit? Again, there are. It, CrossFit has a high injury rate. I don't think you need to go mental <clears throat> to be healthy. I think to mm. maximize your health, you can do CV work that is low, has a low injury risk. Mm -hmm. As you said, you can do some strength training that. Um, still stays within the intensity ranges to make progress and to make yourself healthier, improve your insulin sensitivity, reduce your risk of long-term cardiovascular complications, but still not risk herniating a disc or, yeah. you know, giving yourself cardiac hypertrophy from, <laughs> from, you know, extreme high intensity lifting or dropping a snatch on your head or something like that. I think moving, moving through full ranges of motion, strengthening, Strengthening, strengthening yourself through full ranges of motion, not doing crazy, stupid exercises for the sake of it, following a basic barbell-based compound lift exercise routine with a progressive stance on, on everything that you're doing, more reps, sets, load over time, taking it slowly rather than rushing or you know, cheating reps to, to get the extra rep mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Just being a sensible person in the gym. It's interesting that we, we immediately jumped to the conclusion, to the, the perspective of, oh, don't go too crazy on it. Don't don't do too much. But mm. equally, there's the other side, and that the body is designed to be challenged. And actually, if you were completely sedentary and avoid wrapped yourself in bubble wrap and avoided any possible stressor, you would die earlier. So the body is designed to step up to some challenge, mm. but it has to be enough to recover from and not not well, so much that we an, an easy an easy way to like look at this is most people. If you imagine speaking to someone who doesn't lift weights and ask them what they think about lifting weights, one of the first things they'll say is like, bad for your back, bad for your knees, bad for your, bad for your neck, bad for your face. And those, we, those we bring that on ourselves because when we're lifting, we're not thinking, oh, I'm doing this to be healthy. We, we're, doing, we're doing it because we're like, oh, well, I need to get my extra rep because mm -hmm. I have to get a PB. It's when you and deviate so from the, I'm doing this to improve my longevity to, I'm doing this to for the, the ego boost, the extra rep, the extra So set. I'm going to ignore the pain in my back or the yeah. niggle in my knee or whatever mm -hmm. and just keep pushing. But equally... A lot of sedentary people, and certainly as a proportion of the people that I know, and I think this is probably representative for most people, there are more sedentary people who end up with a back problem because they picked something up off the floor in a dodgy way, or you know, people develop back back pain with just shorter, sitting at work or whatever. Shorter term stuff, yeah. Um, according to Stu McGill, athletic populations have the most long term back, back problems. problems, and he says it's a horrible irony mm. of being active that the couch potato is generally fine yeah. but then the athlete tends to be the one that <laughs> that pays the price and i am one of those one of those people paying that price 
the other thing that I would do is use a sauna for 30 minutes three times a week. And this is just based on the recent... I don't know whether you count that as training or not, but... Something you're doing, certainly. Yeah, this was um, from the Rhonda Patrick, mm-hmm. is it, paper recently. Tim Ferriss interviews her on this podcast. Uh, okay, I haven't heard that, actually. I've read her report, and it was saying that, yeah, there's a multi-system benefit to saunas. Insulin sensitization again, immune function, a hormonal function, cardiovascular adaptations. So by spending... Psychological. And psychological, yeah, depression mm. and anxiety, wasn't it? So... Um, but it was hefty doses of sauna, and mm. I have we, we've both done lots of sauna in the past, and it's it's quite hard to be in there. For really difficult. Thirty I, plus minutes. Like I, I so I started doing to see if it affected my recovery <clears throat> when training volume was really high. Um, I would do twenty minutes on rest days, so three times a week, and the difficulty involved with sitting in a sauna for twenty minutes. Every, anything past ten for me was like this is an endurance event now. And it just it just gets difficult continuously. Is that another question? Similar, also from Hayden. So increasing health span, self-quantification tools such as 23andMe, Viome and HRV. Viome and HRV. I've got no experience with any of them. I know you have. I've used some. HRV stuff before. I've not heard of 23andMe or Viome. I think HRV, so self-quantification stuff, I think we are both quite into so HRV or, or trying to get a measure of your recovery or a measure of how much should I be doing or not doing today, mm-hmm. for me, tended over time. So I tracked it for a year in the morning. First thing, measured my HRV using a BioForce app, which is a Joel Jameson product. So yeah, it just it just tends over time for me to have the way that I feel, you know, my, my perceived level of, of recovery or, or how much I should be doing. And you could argue that that's just down to the number of years I've been training. Or so you're saying whatever. it matches, the number matches what you feel anyway. Over time, yeah. And this is an interesting point as well, because your brain is the most sophisticated tool available to dictate and regulate your level mm. of recovery and what needs to be done, because it's the thing that manages it all. So it's, it, What um, is challenging, just to caveat that though, is it, it can be difficult, I think, to distinguish that from laziness or that from that's hard, so I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. and trying to gain... Where I think they are valuable is giving you an objective source of suck it up, you know, on days that you just don't feel like it. But on average, I think assuming yeah. you want to train, assuming you're someone who would go to the gym, left to their own devices, they don't. I don't think they hold that much that much value. And the, there is value in learning to feel that out for yourself. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's going to be superior to if you have te- technological tools, but um, being able to regulate that yourself truly, and not as Johnny said, not just saying oh i'm feeling a bit shit so i'm not gonna train but actually am i feeling or is this going to affect my performance negatively and the way to test that out is to just to keep training regardless and say okay when i feel like this this is how my performance is when i feel like this it's affected badly so being able to test it out for yourself and then make the conclusions on the back of that i'm just looking at what 23 and me is what I think Hayden is is getting at is kind of as more self-quantification tools become available, how is that going to impact our ability to affect our health span? And our, you, can exp- you can expand that onto our performance, body composition, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> the and other thing we can do is just look at the, while Johnny's looking that up, is look at the epidemiological data, look at the people that are the most healthy, the practices that are the most beneficial, and also the, the general health advice that um that is given out so 
calorie restriction and fasting are both proven to improve health span. Muscle strength is a very highly correlated with length of life. It may not follow though that if you improve your muscle strength, like your grip strength, for example, that you're going to live longer. But um, it's interesting that it is correlated there. Potentially, yeah. So the the reason I'm saying it's it's getting stronger isn't always going to help with that. Is that it may just be that as people approach death, they get weaker. So, so twenty three and me just seems to provide um, ancestry and health reports. So it evaluates your DNA, tells you about your family history, your ancestry composition, maternal and paternal haplogroups, Neanderthal ancestry, your DNA family. And you can get health risk reports. So your risk for diseases like celiac disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, a wellness report. Example reports include deep sleep, lactose intolerance, and genetic weight, male baldness, sweet versus salty, unibrow, all these sorts of genetic traits. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it just analyzes whether you're susceptible to them. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's basically saying, you know, from your DNA profile, this is based on your ancestry. This is what you are predisposed okay to. so if you have a predisposition towards unibrow <laughs> like why does knowing your genetic uh what do you go to do that going, yeah, yeah i yeah. think like if you don't want a unibrow shave the unibrow and like how do you feel about if you could find out that you have a predis- predisposition to heart disease or you know things that okay are you just going to come back to well you should be exercising those measures anyway of maintaining a healthy body weight and exercising the difficulty with from a doctor patient point of view is that you tell people what is good for them and very few of them do it um <laughs> most the, there are people and and you know i've got to give uh, i can't say all all patients are rubbish at all because you you do have people that will get a scare a heart scare maybe their cholesterol is too high or even they have a heart attack themselves and then they say right i'm gonna make a change and we've seen people do that we've had clients that have done that themselves and sometimes that is helpful Seeing whether you have a genetic predisposition compared to something that's a bit more blunt force, like having a, a heart, heart attack, attack yourself, mm. I guess it depends how data-driven the individual is and how much they're going to really change their behavior. Because there's a lot of things that we know are not good for us, mm-hmm. and we continue to do them. We know that scrolling Facebook or um, getting addicted to our phones or smoking... We, I was going to say, yeah. Like, we, we know for smoke. 100% sure that smoking, <laughs> smoking is not good for us. Drugs likely alcohol, overeating, mm. so it's not living a sedentary lifestyle. So just knowing something, information isn't the whole thing. Mm. And and that's why coaches are needed because it's not just about, you can't just read a book on it and do it because the gap between knowledge and action is from the accountability, the motivation, the objectivity, and having someone to actually take you through the process, for example, or so, just simply how you how your value system is how how you prioritize the benefit that you get from smoking or the and which could be the sense of purpose connection pleasure that you get from the addiction relative to the longer term slightly more abstract harder to touch downsides of smoking which is lung cancer in 30 years time or that in fact the chance of lung cancer in 30 years time is harder to grasp onto as a as a concept I think that's the idea generally, like what the question is generally getting at is if we had more information, would we be able to improve the course that we're on? And what you're saying is there's already, like with the information that we currently have, Mm. very basic, like don't smoke. There are still people with that information who are acting 
in spite of that information, is still smoking. I think medical science as well is like, yeah, I, I know that genetic stuff is a is a big mm-hmm. um, up and coming thing right now, and it's not used that much in in medicine. But mm. we still have decently sensitive tools, blood tests, and uh, other indicators, just like body weight in, in clinical signs. You know, if someone is someone has the signs of sort of pre diabetes, it still might not be enough to push them to do something mm. about it. But they almost have to feel an immediate consequence, don't they? An immediate downside mm. to change their, their current behaviour. I suppose this is why we're so big on process management. It's why we moved away from um, optimising the details because for most people, optimising the details is so far beyond what's required to achieve the result they're, they're seeking that you're better off working with that person on establishing practices to take the simple information so that it's integrated and done day, every single day without fail, then should I have casein or whey and worry and spending most of your time worrying about that or you know when should I have my BCAs? Those, that's where most people spend their time. But you zoom out and say, well, how many days have you stayed within your calorie range? It'll be patchy. Mm-hmm. So this the is same, what we were saying a few weeks problem. ago, wasn't it? Where we were saying separate planning from execution mm. and decide what, where it is you want to go and then reverse engineer that into what are the daily actions I need to take for that. Mm. And then when you're waking up every day, you're not thinking like, oh, I need to do this because I want to be healthy. You're just you're just doing the routines that you've set in place. So I think this was when we were being This is when we were being right? interviewed, but then the week before we also yeah had a, a chat on a similar topic. So. We're, at some point soon, we'll be on the De Novo Nutrition podcast, so look out for that. But And we speak about this exact thing of sort of managing the downsides and, and upsides of making sticking to the process really easy and almost attractive and making falling off the process painful and, and difficult to do. And as Issa says, like the key thing really is is being able to separate I'm planning now and I'm executing now and not doing them at the same time. If you allow you to do yourself to do them at the same time, you end up in this position where you find yourself deciding at eight o'clock at night, actually, you know what, I can have an extra 30 grams of carbs a day or actually, you know what, it doesn't matter if I don't. Today can be a cheat day and all these kinds of decisions. And obviously this is the benefit of having a coach, objectivity, someone to check in with. But so to answer Hayden's question in a very roundabout way, I think in general, as you so pointed out, like there are some some things that we can be doing in terms of what would be considered by most, at most as leading a generally healthy lifestyle, managing your weight, living a, sort of an, act, an active existence, trying to seek some kind of regular practice of resistance training, maybe some cardiovascular exercise, and people are still not doing that with the information that is available. So is having more information going to influence our behavior? Maybe it will if it increases the immediate, like, oh my God, I'm going to get ill if I don't. But more than likely, I think in most instances, it, it probably won't do much, at least to begin with. So there's the common criticism of like, oh, mate, that's so boring. That sounds shit. Like life is meant for living. You're supposed to go out drinking once in a while. You're meant to, you know, and you're like, well, yeah, fine. But I, I personally am of the opinion that living a healthy quote, lifestyle is a more pleasurable lifestyle mm-hmm. and it's designed that way because your body wants to reward you for doing things which are healthy and um, although we have uh, industries that have kind of hacked and hijacked that process with um, fast food, social media, sedentary lifestyles and so on, um, we know we all know deep down that it's kind of cheap saccharine pleasures that we get from that stuff as opposed to um, doing what we know that we need to be doing and living a healthier lifestyle and actually feeling better while also living longer. So I don't think there's a conflict 
between longevity, living a long time, and enjoying the time there. And there's a huge overlap between physical health and mental health. And the vices, the same vices that cause us to become obese and addicted and depressed are the ones that affect our physical health as well negatively. And so really we can start generating an upward spiral. If you can start gaining pleasure from the things that are good for you physically, then your mind and your brain will reward you for that by making you more resistant to depression and anxiety and physical illnesses as well i would i would wager as well like if you if you take someone like maybe not at the very beginning like if someone's brand new to managing their diet managing their, their training it probably is a bit of a drag but if someone's been doing it for six months or a year they're kind of into the the rhythm of it that person compared to a totally sedentary person who has no purpose or, or targets on a daily basis the, the person who's maybe exercised a bit of restriction with their diet but they've nailed their macros and they had a training session that day where they, they hit two PBs on lifts that they used to struggle with. This is the person who thinks that the definition of living a little is having you know, a pizza in front of the TV in the evening. The person who's ex- exercising the restriction and following a healthy, in inverted commas, diet. Like what's, what mood are they going to be in going to precisely, bed that night? Yeah, like feeling, even though the things they've done are fairly basic and, and pretty bland and boring, they're getting a sense of progression and progress and they're achieving something. And... Many people would look at that and go, well, that's boring. But actually, that becomes the game that you live. And you're, you're improving in your own little way, in your own little world. Well, that's it. We're wired for growth as well. Mm. And that, otherwise, we wouldn't have the technological advance and huge physical and spiritual mental growth that the world, that everyone in the world is, is striving towards. So We're also wired for progress. Like It's exactly why large companies understand this by giving regular promotions with meaningless titles in some instances or... Everyone's shooting for the, the next pay rise or the bigger and the better version of the thing that they've already got. So it's exploited by... Yeah, by, people, by yeah. lots of parts of society, but so in the same way... you can exploit yourself Yeah, <laughs> in absolutely. The same way. Like, we're wired to, to keep score and want to win. We're wired to get the, the next better version. We're wired to make progress on a daily basis. And so why not use that to your advantage and get better within, your, within, your, within yourself, get stronger and leaner? I love it. I love it. What a derail that was. Well, I we think didn't even plan to discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> it was on topic, yeah. So, Plus, so Hayden, we spoke about fitness, didn't we? Fitness, and that's what we're meant and to do. That's what everyone keeps saying. You like, guys, guys are meant to talk about propane fitness podcast, and all you talk about is poo and erections, and just can you just tell us how to kill a man about with two punches, please? So, <laughs> there is our answer. There it is. Okay, we will speak to you next week. As always, if you have any questions and you want us to address them in detail on the podcast shoot us an email, admin at propanefitness.com or join our free group, Simple Fat Loss and Muscle Gain with Propane Fitness. And we post regular polls on there where you can chat with us and get some guidance. Bye. Bye. Bye.